Mini Wargamer Dave here from MiniWarGaming.com. Welcome, Wargamers, to the Shrine of Chaos. Today we have a very special guest, one who has been in the community, in the industry, podcasting for many a year. In fact, I was just told, corn years, because corn counts in eights, so uh, that makes me even more happy. Without further ado, Paul Murphy from Forge the Narrative. How's it going, Paul? Hey man, thanks for having me. It's a great. It's really great to be here. Yeah, yeah. I didn't think about that. I'm I'm uh, been podcasting for one corn. For one corn, exactly. Uh, and we're gonna be talking about a number of different things. At one of which is corn, uh, a little bit versus blood angels. Not in the sense of like what would happen, but the virtues of each and which one is better or not. Uh, <laughs> I think that is a very good uh, thing to talk about. No, there's not a cursed city giveaway today. There's no giveaway today. It is a discussion. So if you're here for a giveaway. Uh, Stay for the corn, because that you will get. Uh, also, uh, I just have to say this, Paul, because uh, for you, your podcast, it is something that you've done. And uh, it's funny, I'm telling you, like, this is the first time you're hearing it. No, no, just so you guys know, Paul. Okay, so Paul, he has done his podcast for that many years, probably more than that now, right? Uh, so it's eight plus. And it's purely for love of the hobby. Uh, there, You don't have a Patreon. You just simply... Uh, that's what you do. You podcast because you love the hobby so much. It's pure passion for you, uh, which is fantastic. I love it. Uh, either way, if you can and you can make some money from the hobby, awesome. If if you don't make money from the hobby, it's still awesome because ultimately it is activity surrounding the hobby. So that's cool. That's awesome. Uh, which I, I believe uh, there is something to be said about journalistic integrity, though, when you're talking about <laughs> stuff. So, like, when you give an opinion about something, you know, like, there, there's no sponsor, there's no... Well, I am an unabashed, like, fanboy of certain things. Like, there's no... I don't want to hide my bias in any way, but it, it is. It's kind of like, what's that uh, Talladega Nights? It's like the cougar on the front. It's, it's you know, just us. We, we represent just, you know, what we want to talk about. Right? Right. It's, it, and it's fun. It's kind of liberating in some way. I'm not saying there's not enrichment for this and certainly did it and started it because I sat around and talked about Warhammer all day. And this is, like, before... Like there were some podcasts, and as I understand, I think I'm like the third generation of podcasts. I felt like the second generation, okay. But I think we're technically the third if you if if people remember back that far. And it's like, well, we might as well just record it, and somebody might. What does that enjoy. mean? What does that mean? The third generation podcast. So when back when I mean, again, we've been doing this for eight plus years, you know, eight eight and some change or whatever. There were a couple of years before that, two or three years, I think, before that, when people kind of burst on the scene with with podcasts as being like these, you know, four or five hour long things recorded. Uh, and then they most most podcasts don't get past like episode 11, uh. 10 or 11. And so some of them, you know, had their whole life cycle before even that second generation of podcasters uh, came in. And I kind of can, uh, independent characters who I love, uh, I believe they're in that second generation category. And then we came along after that. Uh, and that's, that's why I think we're the third generation. Mm, okay. That makes sense. Uh, I don't know that to be true. Like there's not on Wikipedia anywhere, but <laughs> this is what it feels like. It feels like the, uh, it's so funny though. It's like, if I were a podcaster, it's funny. I, I I don't consider myself a podcaster, although the Shrine of Chaos isn't is available in podcast form. Uh, I I guess technically, yes, I am a podcaster. So if I were to say that, I would consider myself the uh, eighth generation. Podcaster. Hey, look, I'm who's to tell you that you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> but here's the irony: I've actually been doing this for, geez, like since 2012. Oh, I remember your early videos of like 
how to make a table or whatever, you know, like that's, <laughs> yeah. you know, it, it's one of those to where, but you think uh, though, that the, none of that stuff was available. Like YouTube still kind of in its infancy, nobody knew how to do some of this stuff. So that stuff was relevant. I'm not saying you can't, you know, change and evolve. And certainly my show has changed and evolved over time. And, and, and the, um, you know, you build everything builds on top of everything else. Like, but I, I love the cast that we've got right now. Like, truly knowledgeable, entertaining war gamers and hobbyists and that kind of stuff. And and so you you kind of have to evolve. But it's it's all iterative. And you know, some of the things just wasn't accessible back then. And folks, you know, like doing what we do, you know, make it accessible. And now got us to where we're what we're doing now, talking about this kind of stuff. Like you say, you're not a podcaster. The the idea, the the very nature of podcasting has changed to now us being on video mm -hmm. is could technically still still be a podcast. Still a podcaster, yeah. Uh, yeah. All right. So let's switch gears here for a second and let's talk about something that is happening right now in the community. Okay. Let's talk about this thing. So, oh, I'm so jealous. Okay, Curse City. So apparently, I'm holding something that is like it's like if we were playing the game and the mission objective was the prize, and you wanted to get the prize, and there's limited amount of prize. That's what this would be considered right here. And so, what are your thoughts on that whole scarcity, limited quantity run? It reminds me of Space Hulk of old, where there is like, yep, okay, yeah, yeah. we have a limited quantity here, and then uh, it's like sold out everywhere. It's impossible to get. So why do you think that is? Why do you think that happens? Well, I, look, I mean, the, the the quick answer is supply and demand. And then there's the, the other thing. of It's like, um, I, I don't want to compare it to like a PlayStation 5 or whatever, but do you, do you really think that everyone trying to get a PlayStation 5 wants a PlayStation 5? I don't know the answer to that. Maybe, or maybe they're just kind of caught up in the moment. You know, again, I, I, I don't know any of this, but I like with any, when you're dealing with any kind of physical thing, there is a, there's a capacity issue. There's a supply chain issue. And then, and then you have the backdrop of, of, um, you know, the COVID situation. I mean, not, not to you know bring it up, but it's, it's ever present and it has affected things and how things flow. It is never good for a company to not be able to put things in people's hands that want them. Uh, but, it, but there's still, there's like this, you know what I mean? This, so wait, wait, no one's like, it's not I don't good think there's artificial, I don't think artificial scarcity exists. I think there's scarcity. And I think the scarcity is like a real concern, but this is look, this is one man's opinion outside looking in. Um, right. And so I think scarcity is a real thing, but I think the scarcity is more environmental or some other factor than other than artificial. So, uh, Lord Cooney says it's been confirmed that there will be more waves. Don't worry. Have you heard more waves? I haven't, but I haven't heard of any waves or whatever. Again, I, I think that it's one of those, like what we've seen, if we were to go on historical precedent uh, from the things recently, is that there's been like a uh, an initial run of things. And then once the demand is up, it, like, it goes, goes web exclusive or something like that. But I also, like my local game store has some copies available right now. So it might not be available online from where you are currently getting it from or from the parent company but check out some local game stores i'm sure they wouldn't mind selling you something if they have it yeah yeah so have you looked at it have you looked at the game much i have not so again i i have i'm a i'm a 40k person so this a lot of this i got i also i'm on the you know the, the preview thing for from gw as, as well so it's one of the stuff we talk about new releases on the show and that kind of thing but i don't typically get access to the sigmar type stuff and this is very very rooted in the sigmar stuff mm -hmm. but those figures and i'm pointing at them on the screen are 
gorgeous. Absolutely gorgeous. I think each one of them tells a story, and I cannot yes. get wait to get my hands on it. You know what? I think that's just it. Because when I picked this up, uh, as a primarily a 40K player, when I picked this up and I turned it over and I looked at the minis, uh, I was thinking, yes, that is cool. I Look at the get the vampire guy in the bear cloak or something and the witch hunter. Like, how, the, these all... The, the, yeah. You, you could you could get behind each of them if that was your thing. It is you, you know what I think you said it just right there. Each one is so narrative, is so flavorful that you could you could uh, really immerse yourself pretty awesomely in this. Uh, just L- like with Silver Tower and with uh, Blackstone Fortress, it's it's something that. So part of what I love about this hobby is the figures themselves. I like manipulating these things on the table, having this physical tactile thing. I like spending time with it. You know, uh, this is uh, one of the hobby aspects. Is when you're painting a miniature, you're spending hours with this miniature, and I'm I make them in little poses, and I think about what they're going to do on the table and that kind of stuff. And you know that, and then so when I get down even to the troop level on the 40k table. Like I have like a little story in my head of even what the basic grunt, the intercessor with no name does or whatever. He's done something. Yeah. And and I enjoy that aspect of the game. Some people like that aspect, but don't like playing a, a game of 40K, a strategy game where it's not cooperative or we're against each other or this, you know, there's there's a million different reasons, a million different games out there. This Cursed City, the Blackstone Fortress and Silver Tower, it it, it allows you to experience this with friends of yours that may not be into your primary jam i kind of think of like 40k is my wife you know i have to spend all my time with 40k you know in a good way like this you know what i mean but uh, all these other things are you know kind of distractions from that sometimes and and but now you get to like and other people don't want to enjoy that with you but now you can get other people to enjoy these types of games and you're still scratching that itch with the figures and the dice and the story and the evocative elements and that kind of stuff so when you pick up a game, uh, what's the what's what do you think is the number one thing that draws you to wanting to get it? Wait, like a board game itself? Like this, this for example, right? Like this or any of the other ones that they've. Uh, yes. Yeah. Is it minis? So I, is, is that what you would say? It's definitely the, the minis, and then the I like the cooperative nature of it. I like the idea that I can take those figures and use them in a game of Sigmar, and okay. you and I I feel like you will be able to. Okay. So I think that's been the case with with all the rest of the stuff. Let, or if there's let, demons using the 40k, let us know what you guys think too. Uh, leave your comments. Uh, so I would that's I would agree. I say that's the first thing that that's what would draw me to a game. It's like how do the minis look? Oh, cool. So I'm drawn in now. Next is gameplay. Would you say it's gameplay? See, I play a ton of board games, so I, I like having uh, like an arsenal of things that I can bring out for whatever the audience is. So sometimes when I'm looking at a board game, I'll look at, are they cute pieces? Do they look like they're well-designed? Is there is there something that's going to uh, bring someone to focus on the table that may not be there? It looks and you know, they're, you're there at a dinner party or whatever, or you're, you're having drinks and like, oh, well, let's pull out this game and what's going to get them? actually playing right uh so it has to have a great look to it so that's why you know you look at this and this this has everything like man i'm i'm kind of into that that uh that kind of creepy look gothic look um i'm definitely kind of into vampires maybe more than i care to admit you know (laughs) you know and i like um the idea of dungeon crawling and exploring you know leading up to a boss a i it's not a campaign but it's like D &D light almost and that's what i look for in that game uh how much importance do you think you would place on the the world or the lore that is attached to 
the minis and the sculpts? I, I personally want to know it, but I don't need it. Like okay. I think, but I, but I because I think that so I, I'm um one of the games that I play most frequently with non gamers is a game called Tokaido. Okay. Uh, which is, it's a game where you're you're tr- you're playing a traveler, and you're traveling across like turn of the century or mid- medieval Japan, and you're doing things like stopping to paint a picture, stopping to eat some fish, stopping to get a bath in a hot springs. Uh, you know, you're, you're doing these things that you're not thinking is typically competitive. And there's actually, you know, there's very little die rolling in the game at all. Mm-hmm. And you, there's, you just move as you want to across the thing. So, but there's enough there that, uh, that tells the story on the pieces itself that I don't need to know anything about medieval Japan. Right. Uh, but it, the game is so well designed that it draws me into it to where I might want to know more. This has the same effect. Like they're, the pieces, I think, tell enough of the story to where if I took it at face value, I'm still going to be fine with that. But being the the nerd lore or lore nerd that I am, I want to dig deeper into it. Yeah. Yeah. It's just uh, the, the setting, the, the models and everything just kind of pulls you in. And uh, I saw a comment somebody left, and I agree with this, is that it it's a good way of introducing non-players non-war gamers to the world that it's a part of especially because the minis are compatible so uh just what a great way because here's the thing man like i don't play warhammer fantasy but i like the lore and this looks fun and i want to play this or uh, age of sigmar I, I play a little bit of age of sigmar not nearly as much like a, like five percent uh, i would say compared to 40k that i play right but something like this is like, oh, cool. What's that? I've got a question for you. Yeah. So how important would be painting those miniatures to you? It's important. To play with. Yeah, it's okay. it's definitely a... I mean, it's not... Something like this, if I'm just playing it, not making a battle report about it, um, I would still play it without painted minis. Uh, bat rep, 100% not. They would have to be painted minis uh, because there's a certain standard we live by. They have to oh, be fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, but like, yeah, and that helps. Honestly, like that helps me to immerse myself in the world that much more. And the better the paint job, the more likelihood that character is going to die. You just know. That's. That, I was. I thought you were going to say better roll, and I'm like, well, no, no, that's no, not no. how it works. No, no, it's not how it works at all. <laughs> <laughs> it's always better paint job, and like, is it freshly painted? Freshly painted, there's no chance it's going to survive. It is trajectory for death. If the line is like this, not not like this. It is. <laughs> That's right. There's no way. Uh, what what about like game length? What would you say is like, you know, let's say this takes a couple hours to play this, right? Like that seems reasonable, right? Yeah, but see, for me, I, I don't think that I'm the average like game. I can sit down and I will grind. I'm I I don't mind a grindy game. Like there's this game I want to play called. Uh, um, I can't, God, I, I can't remember the name. I'll, I'll find it after this. But it's a game where you play progressive, like you play through the whole, the 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 whole game, and then you start over again. But you're playing the same family in the next generation. And so, I, like, I will sit down and play 16 hours of this game, King's Dilemma. That's the name of the game, King's Dilemma. I have yep. not played this game yet, but I want to play this game. It is it is is after post pandemic. That's my first thing: is get as many people around to play this game as 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 humanly possible. Yeah. Um, so, uh, but I like games that typically, if I'm playing in a social setting of folks that are not gamers, you know, or or maybe they're not the uh, long term gamers or whatever, is 45 minutes to an hour and a half. 
Yeah. I think that's uh, that's the perfect that's the perfect length. Yeah, and and that includes the the teach, like I think to be able to explain how how to play the game and then get get moving with it. Right. Yeah. You know, I, my feeling about that is, if it takes that long, let's say you're a, even including the the teaching aspect, right? If you were to just simply play the game, learn it, play it. If it's within that time, cool. If you want to have more of a relaxed time about it and there's stuff in between, like there's there's talk and there's banter and whatever, and you can make like an evening out of it, like three, four, five hours out of it, you have that option. It's able to do that. Perfect. Yep. Great. Because that kind of ends up happening most of the time anyway, right? But if you have this thing in your mind where it's like, no, 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 this is a, you're going to have to commit yourself to four or five hours. That's like, no, no, that's, it, it's, it's too. And you're doing math and you're doing all that. Yeah. <laughs> Like that's, I'd play that game still. I'd, I'd still play that game. <laughs> that's that's different. That's like a D and D. Like you know, for that, that's different. It's like okay, yeah. uh, that actually could be as long, as little, or as long as you want it to be. But uh, that you know, going in, it's like okay, uh, here's an evening. We're gonna automatically just do an evening. It's uh, you're coming. Somebody's coming over for that specifically. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's, that's how 40k works. Like you know, it's when we come when we're set up play to play 40k or 40k play dates. You know, we're coming over. We're gonna play some 40k for the evening. <laughs> Playdates, that's exactly what they are. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. So I, I got to just putting, putting the attention back on you for a sec here, Paul. Uh, so you're a, you're a podcaster. Uh, you, you, you do so much in the community. Like it's, it's nuts. Uh, because when I first met you, which was that in person? Was that at Adepticon? Yeah, I think yeah. it was at Adepticon a number of years ago. That might have been four or five years ago. Does that sound right? Something like that? Half a corn? H- half a corn ago. I love it. Okay. So we're, we're speaking in the numbers again. Uh, and so I'm like, oh, cool. Yeah, you forge a narrative. Awesome podcast. And then you pop up. Okay, so you're Nova, and you're doing the Nova Charities, and you're involved with that. Uh, and then you're you're gathering people together, and you're doing collaborations, uh, other podcasts, roundtable stuff. And and so you're, cut, you're like, you like to go, you like to be everywhere in, in many things. Well, I like talking about Warhammer. That's really what it comes down to. And and when you can put your put your voice to something that means something, either that's because of, you know, we're bringing the tournament experience virtually to people like we like we did for the Las Vegas Nopen mm-hmm. or we're we're putting focus on a charity that, you know, re- relied typically on people being in person, but we couldn't be in person last year. So, you know, I was happy to to lend my voice and in in any awareness that I could bring to some of these things. And, but what, one of like my, one of the things I'm very passionate about is, is um, I think that tournament culture is a extension of our hobby hobby. It's not, it's not the, that everyone has to get to, but I think it's a natural extension of our hobby. And I love bringing that to people because, you know, in, in, um, in a world where we're, we're constantly, we could constantly rule things out. Like, I don't want to do that. Or, or I'm, I'm, I think that all everybody that plays in tournaments is this, or everybody who plays in this is that, or they're not this or not that kind of thing. And, and that's abs- what is it? Only a Sith deals in absolutes. That's right. You know, so I love uh, bringing this, the, the, what is predominantly uh, a positive thing uh, of the culture of tournaments and bringing that to folks. And so that's why you see me probably attached to and, and doing commentary for, for lots of tournaments. And then with the charity side of thing, like this, this is, the the world needs people that that can spare things sometimes and if you can then uh why not do it to a good cause that other people you know that have been vetted and people believe in and and are doing good things for people and so happy to do that whenever whenever i can as well that's awesome man 
that's that's so cool i love it that's and it's driven by pure passion for the hobby yeah again honestly i would i would talk about warhammer all day like <laughs> you say, some people ask like how did you get so and so and it's not that i got them it's like most people that do this actually just want to talk about warhammer so they you, you could just call them or message them and you probably want to talk about warhammer if that's what they do normally <laughs> so uh okay so you you've told me this before and i apologize i don't or i don't remember uh so this isn't your day job obviously because it's, it's all for yep. fun right so if it was if it could be your day job, would you choose that over your current day job? Oh, in a in a heartbeat. I mean, to say that, like, if uh, but it's a it's a it's a it, it's work. Anything's work, like anything. But I kind of treat this. Uh, so I, I treat everything with um, a little bit of passion, a little bit of forethought, a little bit of professionalism, and 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 this is just again, it's like a st- extension of that for me. I think if I'm going to spend time doing this, why not try to do as good as I can? It's like painting a miniature. Like if you're going to paint the miniature, why not try your best? Try your best. You know, and so that's what. So just bring it through to this and and i know that that people care about audio so i'm mostly an audio show so i focus on that and you know i put some little loose rules on that and otherwise you just get people that also share that passion of talking about it and are good at it have ideas to bring uh to the table or or can challenge you in some case i mean you know like challenge each other to get the best out of each other and then make it sound sound good i edit the shows too so it's not it doesn't come out like perfect every time we a little bit of editing magic but sometimes it but that's the thing it's you spend the time to make it make it sound good but i would i would definitely this is like my uh my retirement plan i'll talk about warhammer if somebody lets me <laughs> would you accept a sponsorship <laughs> yeah oh uh, actually yeah i mean i have sponsors i mean it's it's one of those to where uh you know there there are you know, on the, uh, not to take us on the business side of things, but there, you know, you have to host the website. You've got to put, so there's things, there's stuff that goes on behind the scenes. And yeah. I'm very fortunate to have some sponsors that allow to basically me to keep it cost neutral this entire time yeah. and continue to do and focus on what I want to do, which is just, again, bring in this, like uh, the, the competitive people don't think my show is competitive. Mm-hmm. the the non-tournament folks mm-hmm. think my show is too tournament focused you know so i try to uh, but i see i like what like one of the core premises of of the show is i don't want to waste anybody's time i don't want anyone to waste their time so i want to help people get what they want to get out of the hobby so even when we do army list reviews people will write in like when they say can you help me with a list well i asked them is like are we making model choices here do you just want to you want to play with some cool looking things that you think are cool um, are we, are, are you fine with buying new things? Are you trying to win more games than you lose? I look at the, like, there's always and inevitably, you know, someone, how was my list? Like, well, you should change this. Well, I'm just going to play it like it is like, okay, that's cool. Like, Hey, you know, that's, <laughs> it's like getting advice from anything or anybody out there. It's all fine. But, but I ask those questions of people. So th- I, I want to help them get what they want out of the hobby. And sometimes that's winning lots of games. Sometimes that's looking as cool doing it, you know, or playing with whatever their vanity unit is. Yeah. Corn Berserkers. <clears throat> it could, could be. So, yeah, how to get the most out of Corn Berserkers. You know, we, that's, that's, <laughs> so we've certainly had that discussion. Corn Berserkers are actually pretty good right now. But, I mean, in, are, yeah. in previous years, uh, that's, that's some of the stuff that uh, we talked about. Yeah, it's a, so that's that's what I you know I enjoy doing it. I would do it all the time. And, and one of the missions is, like, it's a core, it's a core tenant of just we talk about the things that save people time when they go to start rolling dice okay so going talking to going back for a second about retirement i have to just uh, read this little thing uh, by dakafang more quest he says my retirement plan uh is is it gonna turn 70 
And when the family is all around me, eyes taking my shirt off, grabbing a chopper and going out in the forest to fight a bear, because no matter what happens, the family will has a legendary story, Grandpa killed a bear with his chopper, or Grandpa was killed fighting a bear with his chopper. That, you know, I can't argue with that. Sometimes you gotta, you gotta go out on your own terms. Yeah, I mean, that's... Uh, okay, you know, that actually reminds me of a question that I was asked yesterday, which I'll bring to you as well. If you had to be a character in the 41st millennium, a Warhammer 40k character, or a, 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 anything, anything that exists, okay. what would you be? Okay, so it, specifically in the 41st millennium, or 40K. or just in, in Warhammer 40k... Warhammer 40k... Or War, Warhammer uh, future sci-fi. Yeah, 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 let's go with that. Sanguinius. Sing. Okay, I guess it would depend on the timeline there. Why, why, uh, why Sanguinius? <laughs> if uh, if it's Warhammer Forty K, my answer is still the same. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so or uh, that uh, interesting answer. So, why Sanguinius? Uh, okay, so. You know, as you know, we're going to talk about that. I maybe talk about this if we, if we get to it. As uh, as Blood Angels are, that's my jam. So mm. I started when I started playing 40k. It was actually uh, my first army was Harlequins, mm. and then as an extension of Harlequins, Harlequins was that one box. And as an extension of, of Harlequins, I went to Eldar. But then you know, I saw that book that had as I think it was the Compendium, the White Dwarf Compendium that had what we know is would soon become Tycho or whatever surrounded by as a golden armored figure surrounded by blood angels mm -hmm. and i'm like oh let me know more about this and then i go to read the story of the original horse heresy story it's just a couple of pages long you know kind of thing and and then like i and then the blood angels have this secret they they try to present their their artist i don't weather my blood angels armor because i think that they would take the time to make it immaculate before they went into battle i think they go into battle with purpose and and all but a lot of this purpose is to distract people from the fact that they are harboring this this uh, tragedy within them this mm. this battle that they have to fight in order to do the the emperor's work mm. you know it, i think that they are some of the, the the there's a lot of grays in 40k uh where you know there's not it's hard to pick who the good guy is from a certain perspective it's hard to pick who the bad guy is from a certain perspective uh, but there are i think there are a few heroic factions within 40k and i consider the blood angels to be one of those heroic factions mm -hmm. uh but it's not without this internal struggle compromise sacrifice and i love that and the fact that they may or may not be space vampires totally had nothing to do with it no no nothing <laughs> <laughs> and uh would you say that they're like they're corn uh, so, no, I would not. But let me. So, Sanguinius. So okay. Let me. Let me. So, um, Sanguinius. I think is one of those moments. Like, I think that are, are you a Doctor Who fan at all? And I'm. I'm not like a super Doctor Who fan. Uh, but there are. I think they reference like fixed points in time. Okay. Yeah. That cannot be changed. And I think that the death of Sanguinius is one of those things that are that is fixed. It is anchored in the cosmic fabric and can never be undone and or changed mm. because it is that important to the story and fabric of of warhammer 40k interesting yeah so you yeah. would definitely choose primark sanguinius yes okay if you if you put, put me into like if we want to let's just say the sanguinius is never coming back um yeah. <laughs> you don't think yeah, it was, it's hard he's not That's he's hard. actually honestly i think i think his death is fixed or whatever yeah. dante is going to be the is going to be my answer for 40k but i'm sticking with sanguinius so. yeah yeah that makes sense
Uh, yeah, and I do. I think that they they have this. Uh, I mean, they're poets, they're artists, they're all these things, and yet when it's time for battle, they have all this confliction that they are able to push to the back that that I think normal people couldn't do. You know, a regular Joes like us could not do. But the Blood Angels do that, and I think that's part of what makes them so um, fun for me to play, fun for me to imagine that fantasy of playing on the tabletop. Do you think Sanguinius exists somewhere? That his uh, essence or his uh, soul? Do you think he exists? That he could be brought back? See, that's that's such a tough question because I I think like I've got I've obviously thought about this a lot, <laughs> but um, I I don't. Uh, I think that if he exists, he's probably trapped in like a jewel or a bauble somewhere and almost forgotten. It's going to be like one of those like Tolkien-esque things that a hundred years from now, a thousand years from now, 10,000 years from now, uh, the 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 Silmaril is going to roll out from under someone's bed and Sanguinius is going to pop out. Okay. So I guess that, so he does then. You he see- might. Okay, I think it's say. remote. I'm saying, but if if he does, that's the situation that's that's out there. Okay. Yep. That's fair. Um, could you guess what I would be? Oh, <laughs> well. See, I, I don't know. See, I got to look at I look at the context. Is that you? You questioned my Primark choice, so I'm going to go with Karn. <laughs> um, that you would think that that would be the answer, right? Okay. Uh, and so, what do you guys think? What do you What do you think I would be? Uh, what would make sense before I tell you? <laughs> well, and I, would, I would talk. I want to talk about Karn for a bit too, because I, I mean, I don't even mind telling you. I, I used to. I couldn't give two flips about Karn at all. Didn't care at all until I read Aaron Dipsky Bowden write him, and I'm like, I need to know more. Betrayer is that the one that did? Yes. 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 Ah, oh, I love right. Karn is my favorite character in that book. And up there all the time and top eight characters Karn's up there oh I like the top eight sticking on theme yeah sticking on theme. yeah yeah absolutely uh did you what's another one that he's heavily featured in um so there's that obviously uh, there was another one though what uh, I think it's it's not a, a one that I listened to because I listened to the audiobooks uh yep I think it's called the eightfold path uh, I have not. I'm not read. That. I was thinking that, that I know that exists. That's a very short one though. And then, okay. but there's another one though. There's another one where he basically it's when Angron first inherits his uh, his children, right? And uh, Karn is the only one who can go in there and and basically say, hey, you know, your your sons need you. Please don't kill me, by the way. And he's in there t- having a conversation with Angron. He's the only one that I can actually speak to him and speak reason to him. Uh, what was that? Such a good listen. Uh, does that sound familiar? Well, so there, there. I, I think I know what you're talking about, but I can't place the book either. But it's, there's also there's many times when uh, Angron is like they have they have him trapped and basically quarantined, you know, basically off where he can he can only do minimal damage to their side, and yep. then they let him out a bit. And I think that's a guy. And there's there's a moment in in um, in Saturnheim. That I mean, I don't, no spoilers. I'm not going to spoil anything on this show. But there's if if you have not gotten to that point that in that part in the series yet, there is a moment where there's a connection being shared by two important people, and and Karn is one of the, sorry, Angron is one of them, and it's 
pretty spectacular. I, I won't spoil anything, and I don't want to see anybody spoil it in the chat either. But I, I think whenever you get there, we're, we'll have to have another chat. Yeah. Okay. That's fair. Uh, and I think it's uh, something, something to share. Uh, Shadow of Deshaya? Is that it? Um, Is that a book? Maybe Angron? It might even be called just Angron. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) The thing is, like, I went on this uh, kick where I was just listening to a whole bunch of World Eater stuff, and uh, Betrayer included. Yep. And I I just like, okay, what what more? More. I want to consume more. Uh, And so it kind of all melded together for me in my brain. Oh, yeah. Well, once you... Yeah, once you read... Especially, I mean, how many horror... Uh, horror heresy books have there been uh 60 oh, and then you yeah. start and so. then you start counting the uh the siege of terra books and uh so they they do i don't want to say they blend together but some of the stories are like take place right after you know one after the other and so they they do kind of and then sometimes they'll they'll intermingle with themselves and that's god give it up to the writers sir for uh sharing their characters so freely between each other and because that doesn't happen in all series no no, uh, and something I, I'll, I'll mention about uh, the first audiobook that I listened to, which was Aaron Dembski Bowden's uh, Black Legion. It was the second book, though, right? Because Talon of Horus is the first. Yep. And then Black Legion is the second. So Black Legion was the first one that I listened to. I kind of went out of order there, but it was honestly at the time I didn't know that the Talon of Horus existed. So I'm like, oh, Black Legion, listening. Yeah. And then when yeah, I got yeah. when I got to the end, I was like, wait oh man there's a part one of this and so i went back and i, I listened to it too but that's those are good stories there's uh, you know right like uh right. abaddon because see abaddon I, I you know blood blood angels hate abaddon because he holds the talent of horus mm-hmm. and so it invokes it, it basically invokes their thoughts about horus and sanguinius when they see abaddon and and so there's this hatred and it's always been a rule they hate you know kind of thing or whatever and uh, so I, by proxy, I've also never appreciated Abaddon until <laughs> some of these stories. Until some of the stories, right? Yeah. Because in my mind, just you know, kind of like you read a bit of the lore, like you know, the character lore on the character sheet in the codex, right? So it's like, oh, Abaddon, uh, Black Crusades, uh, evil, yeah. uh, kill 13 things. failed crusades, you know. And so that's just you know, so superficial, right? But when you get into these books and, uh, and you know, that so many authors are so talented. Uh, and this one, because we're talking about this one in particular, ADB, like he, he's, when it comes to like making relatable characters, he has that writing gift for sure, right? So when you hear it from Abaddon's perspective, it's like, man, I have so much respect for him. And he becomes a real being somehow. He just becomes real. Yeah. It's like Abaddon is real in the future. Well, they've they've uh, they've backed into it. So we know that we're supposed to Abaddon is supposed to be this epic, you know, galaxy shattering individual in 40k. But we have, I mean, not we everyone. I'm sure some people have, but I don't. I don't personally know too many people that really appreciated him or respected him for that. But then when you start to read these stories, and you can see the character coming into their own, like why did any of these traitor primarchs bend the knee to him? Like I'm actually starting to get it now mm-hmm. and and as someone who didn't want or have any care to get it i i actually these books have made me get it and that's a testament to the stories themselves yeah 100 uh and you know actually that actually reminds me of something from uh 
I can't remember which book it was, whether it was Talonhorus or Black Legion, but there was an instance. This doesn't give anything, by the way. This is just anecdotal, cool thing. I'm trying to be totally spoiler free. As a <laughs> yeah, uh, it's it's a very it's, it happens over the course of like one page, and it's like just this tiny little detail that I, I really that made me just love uh, Abaddon. And it was he was meeting certain characters, and uh, because Space Marines have this have eidetic memories right they just kind of remember things forever which i didn't know until i read that by the way that was okay. cool yeah, yeah. Uh, they got all kind of stuff they they're supposed all... to be they're stealthy they can hide right in front of you even though they're eight foot tall nuts uh, right like, yeah wow like they're even more superhuman than we thought they were yeah but, but so he remembered uh minute details about these characters and he paid them respect each one individually and he had yep. like he had this like meeting with them and it was Almost like he was this, he was like this regal, almost like a king. Yeah, like, ca chaos, the, the idea of chaos and whirling mass wasn't there, wasn't present. It was leader. It was leader. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so it was like, man, that that is the trait of a good leader in general. Not just like a, a, a leader in the 41st millennium or a chaos leader, but a, yep. like that is a trait that one could adopt and it would make them a better leader in life and so i'm like man that is so cool that's so cool yeah. i love i love yeah. abaddon and then I, I went back i'm like how did aaron think of that like where where does he come up with this stuff and so i'm like man that's that's just the talent in the writing right because for me to like get so immersed in that story and for abaddon to become painted so real in my mind it's just awesome wait till you read some of these siege of terror books and he really i mean it's like I mean, I don't say coming into his own or whatever, because he's really always been this type of character. But if you had any doubts about him being the big bad villain of 40K, these will erase all those doubts. <laughs> those I have not listened to. Yeah. Uh, and I will, because I've never yeah. actually, it's always always been alluded to. Anything I've ever heard or read or listened to, it's always been alluded to that all this stuff's happening and that he's done it. Yeah. I've never actually went through the nitty gritty details of it. It's uh, there. There's a so I mean, even in these books again, making me care about characters I didn't care about. Perturabo, like, uh, does anybody in the chat care about Perturabo? <laughs> I don't. I, I don't. There's someone here that cares about him. Yeah, but if you don't, you will. Like, and it's actually yeah. there's so many scenes that again, whatever. We can talk about the books all day. I know as you wouldn't talk about we, just about lore, but I, I I think that these are these these are things. There's so much there for you to sink your teeth into. So this becomes and like and I've always felt this way, but I think it's growing with people that it's more than just putting plastic dudesmen on a table and rolling some dice. Like there's you can really make this about something that that is more that, that transcends just the tabletop experience and that kind of goes back to you know why do i do what i do what it, you know it's like because i love doing that like there's when you're when you're coming to a tournament uh and you're across the table from someone like hey we're even like like, like we have so much more in common than we would ever suspect simply because we share this hobby and that comes out over the course of you know what is technically you know some people might call it a beer and pretzels game or it could be a slobber you know a, a knuckle uh, bust in slobber knocker it's going to come out. All these cool things that we, that we didn't know about each other that we share are going to come out over this shared experience that we have. And I, I love talking about it. Yeah, it's so cool. Uh, okay, so I saw a comment in the chat here, and I just have to talk about it. Because uh, Pretoria Gaming says, let's talk about we all hate Lorgar. So, so first off, <laughs> uh, I don't hate Lorgar. In fact, 
I, he is very empathizable. When you uh, when you listen to or read the first Heretic, have you have you had a chance to listen to that one? I, I, no, I haven't. So that was that was one of the ones that. So when the series started, you could kind of skip around or whatever. And mm-hmm. then I read the one right after that. I was like, wait, they just talked about that, so I probably can get by without reading that one. Right. But I, I have it. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, that was one of the. That was right after Black Legion. I, I listened to that and like because in my mind, like word bears, ah, uh, okay, yeah, it's chaos. Which I appreciate all chaos, but it's like on the lower. It's like okay, word bears, and then like oh, but you know it's, it's cool. First chaos, and so like in my mind that's what I was thinking. But it was highly recommended. I'm like okay, well I'm just gonna listen to it. Man, yep. do I ever appreciate Lorgar now? And you feel so bad for him, and you understand. You understand his actions. They make sense. He's justified in what he's doing. Ah, oh, look, there's something to be said about giving somebody what they what they think they want and that's it's very alluring and and that's you know we were talking about chaos earlier that um and we didn't we we didn't get to but i thought about it like chaos you know back in the day was almost like cartoony Mm -hmm. you know it wasn't you know like evil or bad it was just another you know it was kind of cartoonish and stuff um but now it's i mean maybe it never was i don't know maybe it never was but it felt like in my mind it was and and I don't feel that way anymore. I think they've done a good job. I think the game is is more fun when there are strong like forces and counter forces in the game. And I and I, and I think chaos is 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 represented better than it's ever been before. In the in terms of the game and lore, is that what? You yeah, mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. And yeah. and how uh, again, you know, and, and coming back to the table or whatever, like when you clash, you know, it's it seems to have more relevance in some way. I don't know if you feel. Am I just out in the middle of nowhere? Am I on an island right now? But oh no, no, I get <laughs> that's what it feels like. Yeah, no, no, I get that. I certainly get that because uh, I've been playing since fourth edition, and chaos. You're right. That that's you hit it right on the head there. Like it definitely felt cartoony. Uh, kind of like how the orcs are cartoony feeling, right? It's like oh, yeah. chaos, bad, corruption, mutation, bad, right? So bad guy, easy bad guy. So but there's so much more flavor now, and there's so much. There's so many different degrees of chaos that you can yeah. delve into, right? Like there's the demon chaos or there's like we're going to use chaos to our advantage or we are controlled by chaos and we have no choice. Like there's so much. It's not just chaos, bad, attack, bad guys. It's not that. There's so much more nuance. Than well, that. I love how the legions approach their what they think their uh, their involvement with chaos is. They think they all have a special relationship with chaos that chaos doesn't know about, you know, or whatever. Like they're who's using who kind of thing. And I love that tension. Mm-hmm. Um, another thing I love on the chaos side is like all the first captains seem, don't seem to get along with their primarchs. Yeah. Yeah. That's something I've noticed, uh, which is interesting. Yeah. I think that's, yeah. it's, it's kind of interesting how they like have that. Now I know like, um, was it Lucius is not the first captain, you know, it's Eidolon, I think was the first captain, but he represents, Slanesh, you know, on the thing, but I don't think I don't think any of them like their their Primarchs, <laughs> except for Karn. Karn likes his Primarch. Does he? Uh, okay, respect. I mean, that's a serious, sincere question. I mean, uh, how does he feel today? Oh, okay, that's a different story, I guess. Yeah, th- th- that's a fair question. I mean, the Karn of today is different from the Karn of the thirty k of the of the early days, isn't he? I I think so. It, it, I mean, it, it, yeah, it feels like he's different. <laughs> or is he? Uh, he? That's the thing. I don't know. I don't. I, I really don't know. Uh, I, you know. But I, I think that there. I do think there's friction there today. 
Yeah, well, it's different, though, because one uh, could certainly argue and be very accurate in this that Angron is very different today than he was back then. Yeah. Yeah, so maybe that's it. Uh, yeah. It could be that, too. Oh, I do believe it's all the Primarch's fault. Like, I actually... But the, I think that's where we're designed. Like, the, the Primarchs are so far removed from humanity. Yeah, true. Um, and, and, like, there's these scenes in the early books, and this is actually talking about space marines, you know, where, like, space marines are they're walking across a crowded room and from the space marine side that's it they're simply walking across the crowded room but from the human side they're actually being mangled and, and slaughtered as the space marines are moving across because they, they can't get the just the mass of the space marines existing or whatever right and the primarchs are so far beyond that and and that's where i think like horus was really good at masking that and coming off as suave or whatever he needs suave is probably a, not the best word because i think suave implies maybe some intent or or whatever yeah deception uh, maybe uh yeah but i don't think he was necessarily doing it i think in his early stages he was just simply trying to appear relatable and was like damn good at it you know mm -hmm. really really good at it uh and and other primarchs couldn't care less and and, right. and so they've been they're just so far removed from that and the closest thing we can really empathize with is the space brain unless you happen to be like me have a primark that is you know ultimately re relatable but that's one of the things about sanguine i know i'm off on a tangent stop me uh, but uh, <laughs> back to the blood angels yeah one one of the like the, you know burdens of sanguineous and is in how he stacked up against the other primarchs they even mentioned this in some of the books is he looks like an angel so does, yeah. there's all these feelings that that the, that people when they see him could be invoked and like I think the only question is does he use that at all and that's and that there's a difference between what has been historically a loyalist and historically a traitorous primarch. D does he need to use it though, or does it just organically happen because of what he is? That's it. I think we can see that we can see whatever that that that. Uh, you know, whatever the physical representation is, and then we we attach our little human minds attach all these other things to it. Okay, so this is I just had this thought, and maybe this is intentional by the writers, uh, maybe not, but this is my impression. Primarchs, they represent a certain trait. They have a dominant trait that they represent, and the reason why they are simultaneously hard to relate to and very relatable is because they're so focused on the one it's like angron rage right like okay i can relate to rage can i relate to a hundred percent rage all the time in everything i do no but i can relate to rage right so it's i think that does that make sense no, uh, it does. So, it, like, they're all tuned into different magnetic frequencies or yes, whatever. And whatever yes. you've got on your side is like, boop. Yeah. <laughs> it's like Gilliman, right? Like, what? Order. Right? He's like, order. Uh, uh, no it, one can relate to Gilliman. No one. <laughs> well, I can't. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But I'm I know what you mean. Kidding. I absolutely know. It. Like, it's hard for me to relate to that. Uh, I. But there's certainly a, a trait, a, that trait there, that's like, it's a relatable trait. It's a strong trait. And some people are like, yes, Ultramarines, order, codex. I, I got to give it up to the rules writers, too. They finally made, like in the last couple of editions, the Ultramarines interest, like really, really interesting, both in lore-wise and rules-wise. And like it's, they've found a way to, to to scratch that itch, I think. Not not to take us on a rules discussion, but it's it's just neat when that stuff lines up. You know what? There's a interesting comment here by Brad Lothrop. He said, the fractured elements of the Emperor's psyche. I love that. Yeah. 
that that makes so what would sanguinius be then well he's definitely the compassion he's the you say yeah yeah that's and and but there's also there's this there's this warrior aspect of him Uh, like there's there is no warrior as good as sanguinius will ever be that's that's it yeah that's what i hear about like his swordsman like there's no better swordsman no better all all the primarchs uh were they're basically like for the first half of the the this the whole series they're all about it's all about the sanguinious contingency you, you could basically subtitle the whole first if in my opinion anyway like what ha, what if if we get sanguinious then it's a cakewalk if we don't then what do we have to do to uh to ensure that he falls right yeah that makes sense what would you say magnus would be i, I know it's a completely out of left field but like power. oh no i, I no, no he is no he is I think the the just the arcane knowledge, the inquisitiveness of it, the the ability to tap into that underlying it's not I don't want to say chaos, whatever, but that that primal current of the cosmos, that's what Magnus can do. Yeah. Yeah, knowledge. Yeah, I like that. Uh, Magnus is human curiosity. <laughs> Be, being yeah, able okay. to apply that like i, I don't know Wisdom. look i don't know what the there's probably a word in german for this but i don't know what the, being able to apply that cosmic knowledge into the the, the physical made manifest i think magnus is none better than that mm. uh okay we're gonna switch gears here for a moment we're gonna do a chaos comment bomb uh for those of us who are not familiar with what this is uh we're gonna leave a link here in the chat and uh it's gonna lead us to a youtube video and uh, we're gonna leave a comment on the video. And that's really as simple as that. Uh, the, this person doesn't know that we're gonna leave a con- chaos comment bomb on uh, their video. And so let me just uh, do this. Da, da, da. I'm gonna post it. Let me play here. along too. It's a unmistakable where this is gonna bring you. I put it like a stack of links there. So just click on the link and leave a comment on this video. And the comment could be something like, Dave and Paul say hi from the Shrine of Chaos. It could be the Shrine of Chaos falls upon you and you are being Chaos Comet bombarded right now, Vito. Because this is uh, Vito's new channel. So um, uh, for those who don't know, he has started a new YouTube channel, Trident and True Hobbies. He literally just put out this video like uh, a day, a few days ago actually now. Uh, and and that's it. Uh, so leave a comment i'm actually here i already left a comment before when he posted it for the first time i'm going right now uh and he does not he doesn't know that we're doing this right now and thank you guys for participating in this because chaos comet bombs would not be possible without you guys and uh it looks as though he responds to you know he, he's responding so our goal here is to explode his phone let's make it so the, f- the confusion on his face is palpable uh, when he gets like the ding, 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 ding. I just uh, love to comment. <laughs> awesome, man. Fantastic. And just for fun, we're going to just refresh the thing. He started with 66. Where is he at? Come on, what did you guys 73. Let's do it. Look, we got to pump these numbers up. Yeah, we got to we gotta pump them up for sure. 74. Okay, we got we got to get at least 80. Corn, you know, a corn demands it. Uh, 88. We need 88 comments. Corn cares not from whence the comments flow as long as there are 88 at least. Yeah, 82. Okay, yeah, we're going to get there. It's very good. Uh. <laughs> People do often compare the Blood Angels to uh, to the World Eaters I, because there's that combat element to yes, it. Yes, yeah. I think that is... And then the red. So, it, yeah. Yeah, and then the bloodlust, the, the rage. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of similarities, absolutely, uh, which that might be why I play both and I love both 
Uh, I mean, nothing beats World Eaters, but Blood Angels is like 98%. It's very close. Let me tell you how uh, against this I am. If I'm ever watching a red painting red tutorial and it starts off with corn red, I just click it off. <laughs> what if it's like the only red you have available and you have your painting of blood angels? Would you not do it? Is it blasphemy to do it? Number one, I, I, I'm never without uh, enough red <laughs> and the right red to paint blood angels. Never without. You can stop me in an airport. I could probably whip you up a squad. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm kidding. Of course, be kidding a little bit. But uh, uh, but no, I've actually got a, a very uh, a, a red recipe that works for me. Red is a very difficult color. Red is one of those that the products you know have gotten so much better about paint of how to paint red mm. nowadays. And and I like a very bright red. Like I actually learned a couple of weeks ago that the way I play Blood Angel the way I paint Blood Angels, the scheme that I use for the their, I don't know if it's gonna come through. I've got one handy. Uh can you even see I don't know. Yes. But you see how the, the rims on the shoulder Yeah like they're the black. Oh, okay. Uh, uh, well the, the rims of the shoulder are black. Black, black. Okay. And yeah. that hasn't been the case for like three editions, but yet there they are. That's the way I do it because I didn't I didn't stop to, to look and now there's no red on the or there's no black on the shoulder pads. But um, <laughs> hey, you know Hey, that's, I'm an old man. That's it. <laughs> you look, you're looking good for the old man that you are, man. I'm, I'm, oh, thank I'm, you. I must say. Uh, so, uh, and it's the war gaming. You know, it's the games. It's the learning. The it, that's what it is. It's keeping the brain uh, strong and sharp. Honestly, I believe that. I, I really do believe yes. that. I, I think that this is um, when you're when you were playing these kind of like mental gymnastics with ourselves. You know, even if it's you know. No matter how competitive or casual that you are, and both and both are completely there's, look. This is your hobby. You're spending your time. Don't let anybody ever tell you to not do it the way you want to do it. Kind of thing. That's that's one of the ways I live by or whatever. But looking at the stuff, doing the stuff, constantly thinking about it, I think does help keep us sharp. Yeah, hundred percent, I do, man. And like learning new rules, it's not an easy thing. You know, you gotta yeah. you gotta be really. You got to have a certain mind to a want to do it and not think it's painful. And even if you do think it's painful to do it and to understand it and comprehend it and then to teach others and then to do this often, learning new yeah. rules often. Uh, that's a brain exercise if I've ever seen one, man, like on a well, keep, regular basis. Keeping up. Like even if you're playing it against one, your one buddy, you know, like you occasionally what you're playing this game because you'd like to win a few games, you know, and if you're if you're constantly evolving and and one upping each other or changing list around or he brings over something like devious with his faction that he loves to play like orcs or whatever. He's come up with his new orc build or whatever. And then the next week, you've got to figure out a way to to beat it. You know, and, and then he's he's planning on how to trick you, you know, not trick, but, you know, to, to get the the leverage on you or whatever. Yeah, it's it's, it's fun. I, I mean, I, I really enjoy that. It's part of it. You know, uh, here at the mini wargaming bunker that we have this area of space that we're developing into an escape room. And I had the, a team of oh, in, nice. interns come in from a university, which is a, a city over from us. Right. And so there was three interns working on it, helping me with it. And they they're all gamers, not miniature war gamers, but gamers. And so they're actually going to school for game development and video game design and all that stuff. Right. And so there was this word thrown around a lot that reminds me about what we're talking about right now, which is rewarding. So when you learn a new rule set, the fact that you did that is very rewarding to your brain. Right. It's like, yeah, I did this. OK, thing. I accomplished it. Is it like like it's, it sets off an endorphins yes, or something yeah, like the that? dopamine. Okay. That dopamine uh, and yeah, dwarfs do it, but like specifically, uh, I, I, it's I, a dopamine I, rush. I just remembered a word and thought it was appropriate. Yeah. <laughs> it is, yes. Epinephrine. That's also a good word we can throw in. Uh, either way, good feeling that uh, chemical release from brain. Uh, 
and it's it's rewarding, right? Because you learn this, you accomplish this thing, and then you you share it with someone else, and then you play the game. There's little things that happen along the game that are also rewarding. They're little rewards, right? Like, oh, okay, I'm gonna tick this. I'm gonna gather this. I'm going to earn this. I'm gonna find this. Or I'm gonna outmaneuver you. Hear you. the sound. The it's, achievement bell. It's the achievement bell, right? So it's like the constant dopamine, the constant rewards of the game happening in a different way, though, because it's interacting with another person right there in person, mostly. Uh, and at the end, when you win, it's like the it's like the dopamine, but it has to be done within the confines of the rule set that you both agree to, and it has to be sanctioned by that framework. So once that is done, that's like the ulti- ultimate dopamine from what you get. Oh, the, the constructs either that the game is set up or you've agreed upon in your own brain. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So like you, you, you have this like mental psychic agreements okay we agree to this rule set all right so now that we both play by the same rules now we're going to use our mental faculty to uh, to try to see who can uh do the best and uh and let the dice gods prevail (laughs) because there's also that too there's that like uh, the element that's out of our control the fate cubes the fate cubes exactly and you know i think winter's seo he said it best when he said that uh, uh it's the dice really that forge the narrative see what i did there Oh, well, yeah. Look, hey, if I can get mentioned in the same sentence as them, I'm doing something right. <laughs> uh, which I absolutely agree with. Like, it's you can you can math hammer out like crazy and be statistically probable to do whatever outcome you think is going to happen, but ultimately it's the dice. Uh, and when that happens, that's that. Those are the best. When you're not expecting that, that's another type of chemical rush in your brain. It's like ah, yep. two inch charge fail. Ah, reroll fail. Ah, and so oh, it's, that, there. it's, it's that's like the worst feeling in the world. <laughs> it's the worst, right? Like it worst yet most memorable. And that's the yep. thing, those are the things that stick up. Things that you expect to happen when you're playing. It's like, okay, it's a, you're going along here, you know. Oh, I didn't expect that. Boom. It goes up and it's like, oh, that's the thing you remember. Oh, I should have killed you because I charged you and I psychic you beforehand. How come? Why did you like deny my power there? The smite hey, didn't go the, off. Ah. The burn the burn hand learns best. That's right. Absolutely. And but that's that is part of the reward. That's it's so rewarding at the end, like even throughout, but especially at the end, like after it's like, man, that was a good match. That was a good battle. That was a good story that we told. uh, And that was uh, created together. I love that. And applying that to the whole hobby experience. I mean, you think about from the moment you the whole experience of selecting the models to purchase to getting the models home or opening opening that box the first time, assembling the way that you want to assemble them painting them the way you want to play, paint them yep. and then playing the way you want to play with them. Like there's, it's a, it is a constant rush of yeah. everything you're describing, I think. Yeah. And you know what? You're exactly right. And I, I believe that wholeheartedly, uh, every, all the mental decisions that you go through. Uh, and I think I on, love it. on that high note, we're going to end it for today. Uh, so thank you very much, Paul, for uh, joining us in the Shrine of Chaos and everyone Shrine Chaos. tuning ah. in. Check out Forge the Narrative. Uh, I provided links here in the in the posts. So uh, uh, check out the YouTube channel. Also, Spotify. If you listen to podcasts, uh, there's links in the vid description below. Uh, Anywhere you can find podcasts, you can pretty much find the show. And love, love it if people aren't familiar with it. Check it out. It, it, it means a lot. And it's uh, fantastic. I mean, I've been a guest. Uh, thank you very much for including me uh, on your show. And... Uh, it's great. Continue doing what you're doing, man. Uh, you, you're you one of the pillars of the community, uh, especially the podcast community in our industry and in our hobby. And it's, uh, I mean, everyone, like if people haven't heard of you, then it's because they don't listen to podcasts or they don't play Blood Angels or they just, <laughs> or, or they're not online. 
because uh, uh, well thank you so much for those kind of words and thank you very much for having me on it, it means a lot like i mean same same with you uh, nothing but respect for everything you guys do and the awareness you bring to the hobby enthusiasm like the the infectious enthusiasm that you guys bring uh for the hobby i think is it's you know it's it's monumental it's epic thank you thank you for that and thank you guys for tuning in 1 p.m eastern time shrine of chaos stay tuned next week happy work thanks chat <laughs>